Greetings, dear listener. This is Kim C, and you're listening to the Year of Underrated Stephen King. This is a book podcast hosted by a university fiction teacher making her way across the overlooked and underrated Stephen King titles, hunting down all that beautiful writing glory. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this extra special little itty-bitty episode to celebrate this teeny tiny sweet little baby book called Elevation. So I just finished, if you guys have been following along, uh, a really lovely journey through uh, 1985 Skeleton Crew short story collection. We kind of spent some time there and I was getting ready for my next title, wondering if I was going to head back to the quartet and sync up with Roland again and blame the monorail because I'm really jonesing to get back. But suddenly, this tiny little itty bitty guy, this little hardback that's 140 pages jumped out at me, uh, made me very curious and I kind of wanted to take a look and I'm so glad I did. So today we're going to take a look at 2018's elevation. This is such a perplexing little story, guys. This is definitely a novella for me, although I've read that it's kind of seen as a very short little novel. I'm saying novella. However, I kind of, as I was making my way through this story and just trying to figure out this this little ditty like what are you you little book i i kind of had this idea of either this story is just a quiet little nothing or it's a quiet little everything uh like one of the two um so this one i'm i was really happy to kind of pause my uh my path a little bit um i was getting ready for either Roland or From a View a Gate or Dreamcatcher, but I was like, nope, let's do Elevation. And so here we are, and I'm really excited to talk about it with you guys because I never hear anything about this book. And when I do, it's it's not very friendly or really, it's not anything. People are just like, meh, like this is an absolute M-E-H book uh, for a lot of King readers uh, or readers in general. However, I really liked it. I thought, so here's the thing though, I, I might need to spend some more time ruminating on it, um, but there's there's something incredibly charming here, folks, and I, I don't know what that is exactly. Um, we're going to try and break it down a little bit, but this is, first of all, what a polarizing departure from the writing we explored in these last few weeks. Um, if you jump back to my skeleton crew coverage, I was having a little bit of a hissy fit because King was definitely writing like Bachman, aka super jerk. He's just pulling out all the punches against anybody he feels like, particularly uh, women. And so it was just like, ugh, you, we, we had bully King. We had some short stories where we had a uh, cranky um, substance-induced king who was just kind of a butthole. Um, and it, it's fine, you know, like that's, that's a, 
portion of his career. It's a portion of his life. We can examine it accordingly. But now, uh, a good several decades later, through age and time and recovery, we have this just sweet king. And that's what this story is. It's kind of sweet. It's a little political, but then it also takes this Willy Wonka turn, guys. There's a lot of sort of Willy Wonka magic to this. There's a lot of poignancy about death and and what we do in those final moments if we're given that grace to have some time to digest our own mortality or we're we're in a position where we see the approaching mortality and how we spend those last days those last weeks or months there's some like really relevatory huge kind of concepts in these 140 pages so i'd like to explore it a little bit guys this is such a little a little teeny itty bitty speed bump of a king work. I actually think I have a hard copy of the short story Blockade Billy out of the Bazaar of Bad Dreams. They're sitting right next to each other on my bookshelf and I think Blockade Billy is bigger than Elevation. This is such a little teeny tiny little book but guys I'm thinking about it and I'm really uh, spending some time with it in my imagination. So I would like to talk about it with you guys because I think that this one is not regarded at all or really just kind of regarded as like, um, meh, like this doesn't grab you. It's, it, it, you don't really spend enough time with these characters in order to formulate a close bond. It goes so fast. Um, but I think that's the power of it. The brevity of it is kind of what makes it really special so i i kind of like this guys and i i'm excited to talk about it with you once more so let's dive in with a quick quick summary how the rest of this episode will play out is the next section we'll talk about some of the characters and some of the themes i'm noticing or we're just kind of going to explore um how this story is kind of mapped out and the pacing of it is very very quick and i almost feel like it's so little i i'm I'm unable to break it down like i normally would in a traditional king analysis i'm like what do we got to work with here there's just so little so little everything but there's it's charming uh i'm really really warmed to this kind of just quiet little story that's random magical strange and then ends in a snap just like you blink and it's over so this is so weird guys like have you guys read elevation because i don't even know of a lot of constant readers who have it seems like it's so far down on the list for people it did come out in 2018 i i don't even remember really hearing about it it was just like a tiny little thing um and then yeah so we will explore some characters some of the things i feel are working well in the next section and yeah we'll see where this takes us this is a little itty bitty book on the road back to the dark tower and hopefully back to more alien king i can't decide between from a buick 8 which i'm actually not even 100 percent sure is alien um or a dream catcher. So can't decide which one I want to do next. But for right now, let's kind of have a little itty bitty summary of elevation. 
So we have our main character, Scott Carey, who is in his mid to late 50s. He is divorced. He's the cat owner of Bill the Cat. He's a web designer, and he finds himself in Dr. Bob Ellis's office with a very peculiar observation that even though his frame shows him to be around 240 pounds, when he steps on the scale, he's significantly less than that and losing weight, despite the fact that his physical body is not changing. Scott has lived in the city of Castle Rock for as long as he can remember, and aside from dealing with his very peculiar medical condition, he has two new neighbors, married couple Missy Donaldson and Deidre McComb, who are restaurant owners in town experiencing a lot of public backlash due to them being a lesbian married couple and business owner in the town and so with all this new information scott decides no matter what happens with his physical body he would like to do a little bit of good to uh for his fellow neighbor and assist them and maybe try and help in any way he can so that's kind of what i would say the bulk of this itty bitty little king riff this little ditty that he wrote um that's all we got so let's dive in to our next section where well let's talk about each character because we've got some fun stuff here and i'll see you there folks let us further crack open this odd little egg this 2018 novella called elevation so scott carey is our main character he is the one we spend the all the every second of the book with um he's our main guy and then the other really key character is dr bob ellis dr bob and his wife myra ellis um, and then we have Missy Donaldson, who is the partner of Deirdre McComb. They own a vegetarian Mexican restaurant in, it looks to be, Main Street of Castle Rock. So some prime real estate there. And the restaurant is called Holy Frijole, which is so cute. Um, Frijole, of course, means bean in Spanish. So holy bean. It's very charming right off the bat. Um, and so what we initially kick off this novel with is, of course, the puzzling phenomena that Scott is looking like a average, overweight, middle-aged, if not older, American man. Very out of shape. Um, American white man, I should say. And he, yeah, he, he definitely just looks like a normal average joe who probably needs to uh, take a little bit of care for himself and perhaps incorporate um, a, a diet and exercise plan is how king describes him um, but dr bob ellis is shocked because he supposedly looks around 
240 pounds, but when he steps on the physical scale, he's significantly less, like a good 30-ish pounds. And so the doctor's absolutely flabbergasted, as is Scott. And what we kind of have is the progression of the novel or the story starts to unfold in kind of a very political lean to where you're like, uh-oh, is this more of one of King's sort of um, pol- political pontifications? It starts that way, but it doesn't stay that way. Um, he, of course, mentions the fact, and I was, I was, this was very interesting to me. This is a Castle Rock story, so a lot of constant readers know about Castle Rock. Castle Rock is the city that is featured in so, so, so many King works. It's pretty iconic and infamous, much like Sidewinder, Colorado is, much like Jerusalem's lot is, but Castle Rock is just absolutely everywhere, especially in a lot of ensemble cast novels. I'm not even done with my King Journey, and I know there's more Castle Rock stories, but it's just all over the place. And in Elevation, we find out that Castle Rock, as small as it is, is actually very Republican, which was surprising to me because I believe the state of Maine is a blue state, um, which is, of course, makes it more democratic. I could be wrong on that. Please forgive me if I, but then again, after these last few elections, everything's topsy-turvy in this country, but, um, so I was surprised, uh, but it kind of makes a lot of sense, um, especially when you look at the demographic of America, we have a lot of, you know, states that you're like, oh, this is a blue state, but then you have these little pockets or the exact opposite. It's a red state, but you have these little pockets, these little towns where the residents definitely lean a very different way than what the actual state is. So Castle Rock apparently in 2018 is very Republican and there's a lot of old timers living in Castle Rock uh, like Dr. Bob Ellis and Myra and it's just incredibly traditional and Republican to the point where we even have a scene with young trick-or-treaters not going over to Deidre and Missy's house for candy because they've been told by their parents that they're not nice ladies and that they're lesbians or <laughs> lesbians, you know, so there's already a prejudice against them as being um, a same-sex couple and also business owners in the town that is not progressive in the slightest. So I guess I was a little surprised to learn that Castle Rock was that way. Granted, Castle Rock is fictional. I'm assuming it's uh, in reference to a different main town. I don't know if it's Bangor or the other main towns that are real life main towns. Unsure which one it might be referencing, but in this story, Castle Rock is very close-minded, and we kind of see that um, with the fact that Missy and Deirdre's restaurant is consistently empty. Not a lot of people go there. Um, you know, they, the fact that it's a vegetarian and Mexican, you know, they're, they're already wilding out, uh, the town's sort of, uh, susceptible, likely main fair. Uh, so they're, they're causing a ruckus and Deidre and Missy just happen to be neighbors of Scott Carey. So Scott Carey, Dr. Bob Ellis, his wife Myra, Missy, and Deidre, that's it folks. Minus one or two interactions with other townspeople, it's just 
those six people. That's it. I think that's six. Let me see. Scott, Bob, Myra, Missy, Deirdre. Five. I can't even count. Five. It's those five people and that makes up this entire story minus one or two townsfolk interactions. I believe there's a sweet little scene when Scott uh, finds a friend to take care of Bill the cat. Um, So other than that, it's just these five. Uh, We also have, we go from the seasons right around like October-ish is when this novel kicks off to right around present day May, or not present day, but the month of May, March. Oh my goodness, what is going on with me? Um, present day March. Uh, March is when Scott has declared zero day. So that is something in the novel where he has made an observation that if he keeps losing mass the way that he is which is how the story begins to progress is he is not physically changing but he's he's just weighing less and less eventually he will weigh nothing and at that point that would be the end so we go from about october to march and we participate in some wonderful small town cultural events and that's kind of the crux of the novel and that's actually where I'm going to spend the most time uh, is this one scene in terms of there's a scene I'd like to read for you guys that's really lovely and that takes place at the annual town turkey trot 12k which happens the day after Thanksgiving the whole town comes out uh, to participate in this 12k and that's when we see Scott, who, on looking at him, is 240 pounds. So this is, what is that? Is that 120 kilograms? I think. Pardon me. Um, as you guys know, listening overseas, our we Americans, our metric system is <laughs> knowledge takes us a second. Shamefully, I think it's 120 kilos. Um, unsure. Forgive me if I'm off there, but. He's he's he looks like an out of shape older guy and this amazing 12k is where Scott really gets to kind of experience a magical phenomenon because technically according to his bathroom scale he's a hundred pounds less than that so he's around 140 pounds running this 12k and so there's of course a wonderful reason behind why Scott is doing that and we find out right away that Missy and Deirdre, well Deirdre mostly, they don't like Scott, they don't like him. He's uh, mostly because they feel very attacked by the town, rightly so. They're already experiencing the sort of closed door to them and they are preparing to leave Castle Rock because if their business doesn't pick up they can't stay. So Missy is the sweeter one of the two She's definitely a little bit more um, open-hearted and kind, and she will kind of steal a couple private moments to chat with Scott um, over uh, their dogs sort of defecating in his lawn, and Deirdre's the one who has a huge sort of chip on her shoulder. She's very guarded and very, um, she's on attack mode at all times, and so 
it's it's through this wonderful turkey trot race where we see a, a huge plot twist and shift between the characters of Scott and Deirdre. But we also get some really beautiful writing. So I did want to share this scene with everybody. This is, of course, on page 94 in the American Hardback. And let's kind of read a little bit about what this turkey trot is all about for Scott Carey. I'm never going to catch her, Scott thought. She's got too much of a lead. That damn hill didn't break me, but it bent me pretty good. Then his lungs seemed to open up again, each breath going deeper than the one before. His sneakers, not blinding white Adidas, just ratty old Pumas, seemed to shed the lead coating they had gained. His previous lightness of body came rushing back. It was what Millie had called the following wind, and what pros like Macomb had no doubt called the runner's high. Scott preferred that. He remembered that day in his yard, flexing his knees, leaping and catching the branch of a tree. He remembered running up and down the backstand steps. He remembered dancing across the kitchen floor as Stevie Wonder sang Superstition. This was the same. Not a wind, not even a high, exactly, but an elevation, a sense that you had gone beyond yourself and could go farther still. Heading down Hunters, past O'Leary Ford on one side and Zoni's Gomart on the other, he passed one runner, then another. Four back now. He didn't know or care if they were staring as he blew past them. All of his attention was focused on the red shirt and blue shorts. Deidre took the lead. As she did, more thunder banged overhead. God's starter pistol, and Scott felt the first cold splat of rain on the back of his neck, then another on his arm. He looked down and saw more hitting the road, darkening it in dime-sized drops. Now there were spectators on other side on the other side of Maine. Although they still had to be a mile from the finish and half a mile from where the downtown sidewalk started, Scott saw umbrellas popping open like flowers blooming. They were gorgeous. Everything was. The darkening sky, the pebbles in the road, the orange of the marker announcing the turkey trot's last K, the world stood forth. Ahead of him, a runner abruptly swerved off the road, went to his knees, and rolled over on his back, looking up into the rain with his mouth drawn down in a bow of agony. Only two runners between him and Deirdre. Scott blew past the final orange marker. Just a kilometer to go now, less than a mile. He had gone from first gear to second. Now, as the sidewalks began, cheering crowds on either side, some waving turkey trot pennants, it was time to see if he had not just third gear, but an overdrive. Kick it, you son of a bitch, he thought, and picked up the pace. The rain seemed to hesitate for a moment, time enough for Scott to think it was going to hold off until the race was over, and then it came in a full-force torrent, driving the spectators back under awnings and into doorways. Visibility dropped to 20%, then to 10 then to zero. Scott thought the cold rain felt more than delicious, closer to divine. He got by one runner, then another. The second was the former leader, the one that Deidre had passed. He had slowed down to a walk, 
splashing along the gushing streets with his head down, his hands on his hips and his sopping shirt plastered to his body. Ahead, through a gray curtain of rain, Scott saw the red shirt. He thought he had just enough gas left in the tank to go by her, but the race might be over before he could. The traffic light at the end of the main street had disappeared. So had the tin bridge and the yellow tape across its near end. It was just him and Macomb now, both of them running blind through the deluge, and Scott had never been happier in his life. Only happiness was too mild. Here, as he explored the farthest limits of his stamina, was a new world. Everything leads to this, he thought, to this elevation. If it's how dying feels, everyone should be glad to go. Oh gosh, guys, that won me over. Like, so powerful. My goodness. I thought that was beautiful. And this is my favorite part of the story, this turkey trot race where you have super in in shape, in shit. I don't know what I was thinking there. You have super in shape fitness bunnies just just bouncing along. And then this overweight old guy just blast past them and they can't get it they can't understand it so it's terrific fun there's a lot of comedy in this part but then there's a lot of sort of poignant beauty and i i just love this part of the story so much uh as scott has just taken what is happening to him as a mysterious phenomena and he's not trying to fight it what i really enjoy uh as we kind of segue to what i enjoy about the story of beginning with that scene i just read is that scott doesn't feel sorry for himself at any time this is happening he doesn't question it he kind of just sees it as this miraculous frightening perhaps but the very powerful event and he rather than try and fight it or figure it out he just goes with it and we have some wonderful descriptions of food in this story guys i think i've i've talked about in other areas i think that king is the hugest fan of beef i've ever heard he just all of his characters are always eating beef of some kind um hamburgers steak even raw hamburger meat hamburger helper like all just beef all the time and we get some wonderful descriptions of food in this story um because Scott definitely feels like, well, <laughs> clearly what I'm eating has nothing to do with how much I weigh, so I'm just going to let loose. He eats double portions of everything on Thanksgiving. He has um, chocolate cheesecake with plates of lasagna. Uh, he has pasta carbonara. Um, he, he When he goes to Holy Free Holy, they have like... Uh, endless amounts of of chips and beans and tortillas and just all this deliciousness he's just consistently loving food and just enjoying himself and he's puzzled and perplexed by it but he doesn't seem to let it get him down he doesn't freak out or fight or he's just so happy-go-lucky about it and that's what makes this story very very Willy Wonka it's got that very magical, lighthearted character to it. And it's charming because of that, guys. Because this guy, especially when we get to the end, you know, this guy, uh, it's 
he loses his life. That's what all I'll say with that. But he also gains a lot. Um, and so it, it's kind of like a quiet meditation on mortality for sure. Um, but almost like a, a joyful meditation at that. Like, all right, these are the cards I'm dealt. This is what I've got to deal with. Let's just enjoy as much of it as I can and also let's help people let's try and serve my my fellow human and be good to my neighbor and serve my community it is a very sweet little story guys because that's exactly what happens and this is just a far cry from the Stephen King I was complaining about during Skeleton Crew at least the first half where we kind of have Bachman King and what I mean by that is you know the very cutthroat gives zero um uh, thoughts to anybody's opinion on how he's expressing himself we have a very uh, aggressive king writing about whatever the hell he feels like and he doesn't care who he offends or pisses off and i think richard bachman does that in spades but i feel we had a lot of king uh, slash Bachman blurred lines in Skeleton Crew. And now, decades later, we just have a 180, dear folks. And what, what a wonderful juxtaposition to read Skeleton Crew and read Early King when he's just lean and mean and, you know, having breakfast of six packs of beer and cigarettes and cocaine. And then now in, you know, the almost 2020 where he has have he's lived life and survived things and had recuperation and repair and lost friends and loved ones and he's observing life from a much quieter more meaningful loving it's it's amazing it's amazing and that was another reason why i wanted to explore elevation is just the juxtaposition and the really wild and the wild dichotomy of both of these uh king titles back to back it's absolutely nuts and it's amazing to see this this narration go from such a like lean mean scare the pants off the reader kind of operation to let's ruminate on very simple all-american old folk uh, and what they would do if a magical mystical uh incomprehensible phenomena would to occur and how would they make the most of it while still being true to who they are and to their hometown and it's there is something very special here guys um i'm really really favorably looking at elevation as something quietly prolific and it's one that i think more people should give a chance or think about reading just because this is an absolutely head scratcher this is a head scratcher guys and um i'm definitely open to the negative criticism about it because we can definitely go there but it's like okay this is just it's charming that i just keep coming back to that adjective because it's just charming um what king does with the this guy's 
getting a, a very strange death sentence. He eventually will weigh nothing. And if you guys can imagine what would happen if a person weighs nothing, you're exactly correct. I don't want to totally ruin the ending for everybody, but that's exactly what happens is if you have zero um, mass sort of holding you to the ground exactly. And yet when that occurs, we just have sweet people who have seen the error of their thinking and who have embraced new things and people um we have a really sort of sunny disposition of like uh people awakening to their incorrect thought and realizing that in the end it's just all about being kind to one another and loving each other it is very kumbaya that's a that's how i took it and so it's almost like a little bedtime story with a little Wonka twist incorporated. But yeah, Scott Carey, he's just keen to let it happen, to let go, to quite literally let go. And uh, I really, really like this, guys. This is such a strange little story. Uh, I really wonder why it was published on its own and why it wasn't incorporated in a short story collection or just kind of released as like an e short story or um yeah it's got the tiniest little hardback um and where i think i have heard some negative criticism is everybody immediately is like oh this is just a like pol political it's political it does start out that way for sure we we have um we have a little bit of talk of what the current Castle Rock demographic is, and then it completely morphs to something very different where, no, that's not really what it's about at all. It's just about community and trying to hopefully change, a, a help a town maybe progress a little bit more, but also just like friendship in general between unlikely parties and that's kind of what we see because what we have here with the five characters i mentioned this is another area i really enjoy and i do love it when king does this i think it's one of his strongest things because we know that king is a brilliant character writer we know this there's nothing like him and what he does it's just there's he's he's in a whole class of his own when it comes to building people that we care about and that we think about forever and ever and ever um but what i like is he has you know these lovely supporting cast of dr bob ellis and his wife myra who are just old timers castle rock residents um that are just sweet people and they aren't exactly uh woke enough to you know seek out public support of uh holy free holy or you know those individuals who are of a the more progressive um stance there they are pretty old school about it but they're not exactly close to it and what ends up happening is scott's condition bonds everyone together uh deidre and scott and missy have this wonderful little triangular friendship that's really kind and engaging and then they all start having dinners together with dr bob ellis and his wife myra so they all become friends and they are all sort of horrified and yet saddened 
and wanting to help with Scott during this absolutely mind-boggling medical condition and transformation. Um, The other cool thing about this is uh, King not only describes Scott as being someone who uh, just is very happy-go-lucky about this very grim reality, this diagnosis of he's consistently losing weight, and we get very startling markers throughout the story. At one point, he's 70 pounds. At the lowest, toward the very end, he's at 30 pounds. It's very frightening. Um, but what's so cool is we we get a little bit of lore attached to it, which I love when King gives us a little bit to work with because it works wonders. Not only is he just experiencing weightlessness and getting lighter and lighter and lighter, but if he touches something that is like another mammal or another living creature, they experience that same weightlessness. So he talks about his cat like starts to float and the cat freaks out and no longer wants to come over to him. And in the turkey trot, in the last moments when Deirdre trips and falls, Scott helps her up off the, you know, soaking wet ground and she kind of feels like she says later on, like an astronaut, like she floats. She was absolutely weightless for a second. So he's able to kind of share this strange thing that's happening to him with others so that way at least they don't think he's mentally ill which is great so he's not crazy and they experience that weightlessness and they can see uh, you know that he's like float walking and kind of doing these like leap jumps and all kinds of stuff so I it's very touching that he's able to physically touch someone and they can feel what he feels and they get that sense of float and weightlessness. So I liked that part quite a bit that that was attached to this condition that Scott was able to share this physical phenomena with these people in his life. So, uh, as somebody who's divorced, there's not really a romantic connection, which is kind of sad. Uh, so I was sad about that. Um, but yeah, that's really all we have guys in this kind of three act situation. We've got, it opens up with Dr. Bob and we quickly learn about Scott's condition. We then transition over to the turkey trot where we learn a lot more. That's sort of the pivotal moment. Of course, we learn in cinema that anytime it's raining, you're about to get um, a huge change in the plot. And that's exactly what we have. We have a huge change between the relationship of Deirdre and Scott. Deirdre is definitely um, an aggressive character. She's always ready to fight because she feels persecuted all the time, rightly so. We don't get a lot of backstory into either of their characters, how Missy or the two of them met. All we know is that they're restaurant owners. They have two big dogs named Dee and Dumb, and they're just sweet ladies. And according to Scott, they're very attractive too like they're very in shape and lovely and um seemingly youthful or at least younger than the conventional castle rock demographic so they're definitely from a different generation a different side of life and they're trying to make a go of it in this very closeted sheltered not too keen to be all that progressive castle rock which is surprising so uh, we have the, of course, the opening, the turkey trot, and then the sort of concluding act of Scott letting go and letting himself 
be completely weightless and saying goodbye and making arrangements, having made all his arrangements, but having Missy and Deirdre be the last people, the the neighbors he was feuding with at the beginning of the story, they are his final sort of uh, farewell friends um, as he goes completely weightless at the end so it's a very little it's a sweet little fairy tale just wrapped in a bow and i i don't know if that's on trend um with what we've been getting in these later king novels i know that holly gibney is very sweet she gets sweeter all the time she's very charming uh i haven't read billy summers yet but you know i mean we still have some sort of frightening outsider that came out in 2018 so I think King is still pulling the punches, but I'm just definitely enjoying and uh, paying attention to this softer narrative voice he has. And this 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 is such a little bedtime story of a compilation, guys. This is just like a um, it's wrapped in a bow. It's sweet. It's charming. There's also not a lot there, which is fine. Um, I think that King has given us enough over the the years. Um, it's. I think it works. It works as just like a tiny little story um, where the characters are there and they're much more representative of the ideals and the uh, the themes they represent rather than individual people which some people would say is is weak but i think the themes are are greater than the individual players and that's definitely present this is a very sweet story guys um but there's something deeper there that i'm very moved by so i'm wondering if you guys feel the same if people for the most part in my experience everyone has skipped over elevation like nobody has read it or cares about it or wants to read it um but i this is a very very quick read I really am glad I read it and it's, I'm going to be thinking about it. I'm going to be thinking about it. Um, I'm still thinking about it like 24 hours later. Like what was that all about? And so the only thing we have for a clue is King says for Richard Matheson, who I believe was another sci-fi or horror author out there, a friend of his. Um, I definitely should have did more research on that pardon me if i'm missing the mark uh but that's sort of like the only clue we have we have no author afterward there's no sort of explanation of where he got this idea um in interviews he says this is this is kind of like a gwendy sequel i guess after writing the first gwendy book with richard chismar there was a little bit of gas left in the tank he says and we get this story but i am unaware of any i have not read gwendy yet i hope to read it soon it sounds really fun but i haven't so if i'm missing a huge gwendy thing please let me know because uh, i didn't observe anything that kind of hinted at something else but i i'm also hopefully i'm not missing something glaringly obvious like maybe something horrible was attached with this weightlessness diagnosis that was really grim but i missed it 
mostly because the narration is so sunny, guys. This narrative voice, this character experience, it's very pleasant, it's warm, it's charming. He just... You know, there's a part where he's trying to get the mail and he's just like slip sliding all over the snow covered ground, the icy ground, because he just doesn't weigh enough to to stand up and stand straight. And it's comical. And you're just it's just kind of you're just charmingly laughing to yourself because it's just almost sweet. So I'm perplexed by this little story, guys. I'm really perplexed, but I liked it a lot. This is such a quick read, and I would like to discuss this with more of you out there. Um, What do you think about Elevation? Is it just really just like a an absolute like eye roll like there's nothing to this it's not really even worth discussion or is this just you know something that's quietly powerful in the back and bigger than one might assume I don't know that's kind of where I'm at right now which I'm okay to be right there so yeah elevation that's really all I have guys because there's just not much here it's such a short little story and and even in that shortness there's it's just very lean and on a lot of details we just don't get a lot it's mostly talking about the physical condition of of Scott's sort of this miraculous weightlessness we don't know where it comes from he kind of hints at it with dr bob maybe it is something alien that's happening to him like um or it's sort sort of terrible bacterial infection of some kind but scott doesn't seem too keen on discovering it he's just kind of okay with letting go and that's very very powerful if we think about it and honestly this is a very timely read guys i was uh taking a gander at the wall street journal or maybe it was the new york times i don't remember um there was a headline that i think it's global but the headline specifically was talking about americans have unprecedented levels of stress i think it's the world has unprecedented levels of stress and this is a very charming concept to meditate on that all of the weight of one's cares and burdens uh, become physically lighter and lighter and lighter to the point where one could just float and the peace that kind of accompanies that or the notion of of being able to to be that light um, in in physicality maybe as well as mental cares which is what we see with scott there's a lot here guys there's like a lot here when you really ruminate on this concept and it's quietly powerful and it's kind of nice to think about in these dark times of um what it would be like to just not to to let go um and not worry and that everything would be okay because your community is strong you've you've helped people to the best of your ability and you could kind of just let go um and relax you know that's huge it's a really huge thing and it's a very timely read for anybody who maybe just needs to breathe um this is also a huge palate cleanser of a little story if you just have a book hangover and you're you just need something really really light this there are so many ways this book is light in so many ways so i would like to talk more about it with others because this is very quietly puzzling i can't really figure it out 
it could be that I'm just making it bigger than it really is, and maybe it really is just like a quiet, tiny, small little story that's happy, that has a sunny disposition, and that's about having a peaceful death and having a, a peaceful exit in in which one gets to choose how they want to enjoy and say goodbye and um and and not let the burden of trying to fight against it fight fighting against something mysteriously powerful rather just going with it going with the flow there's there's something huge about that guys so this is such a perplexing little king book i can't reiterate that enough i feel i'm i'm rambling i feel i'm just going in circles about it because i'm still struggling to understand it i'm still struggle, struggling to figure out like what are you elevation what are you you little baby book i like you a lot i don't understand you but i like you so i think we'll conclude with that guys i was very happy and surprised by this quiet little story. I'd like to think about it more. I would like to chat about it more with all of you. So if you guys haven't yet visited underratedsk at gmail to say hi, please do so. I will respond quickly back to uh, any of your thoughts on this story or other stories. I'm always excited to talk about King, so it would be great to hear from everybody. And if you haven't shared the show, with a friend that would be so great if you could share this with another king reader we are uh, immensely grateful for all of you listening and for those of you who have shared with friends and given the show a five star on apple uh, podcast that would be immensely helpful if you haven't done that already so we can reach more king fans and which is our ultimate goal reach newer readers of king we're doing our best to uh sort of coerce people into reading king for his prolific genius as well as braving through any of the scary bits and encountering some really amazing storytelling that is our goal here to befriend constant readers and new readers alike so if you haven't given the show a five star we would appreciate that so so much so coming up i'm hoping for another constant reader interview with tiny the co-host of tower junkies with uh, Matt Hurt. I believe he's a smidge under the weather, so we're sending good thoughts his way. That is on the horizon and i am deciding between those three titles i mentioned previously from a buick eight dream catcher or returning to roland and the gang for wizard and glass we'll see we'll see which one wins out i will see you guys soon i appreciate you all so much for listening uh take care wherever you are and i'll see you later Bye bye